All right, let's get it going. Today we have the founder of the Southern Heritage Classic Cultural Celebration, Mr. Fred Jones Jr. Let's give him a round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to the live podcast. Uh, should I call you Fred or Mr. Jones? All my friends call me Fred. Are your friends? Am I a friend? Look, I'm trying to be a friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Fred, let's start from the beginning because I know your roots are deeply planted here in Memphis, Tennessee. Tell us exactly what part of Memphis you're from. Uh, from South Memphis, uh, from near the Clayton Homes, uh, where Lonzo Lock School was, uh, Park there, Ellie Brown Park. Pool is still there, but I remember we used to play baseball in the park across across the bayou from the from the pool. I did something that uh, probably will probably never happen again. I walked to school for twelve years. You walked to school. I walked to school from the first grade to the twelfth grade. Wow! From Alonzo Lock Elementary to Porter Junior High to D. Booker T. Washington High School. Okay, Booker T. Washington. And I have to say, uh, our motto was, uh, we are tops, we lead, and others follow. And <laughs> to this day, we all, we all believe that. Yes. You know, and so that's, that was the beginning, you know. That's when yeah. I, I had my paper route in the Cleveland Homes um, uh, press seminar starting in the f fifth or sixth grade. Uh, child labor. Child <laughs> labor. It gets the law down, but you know, it's always been rooted there and a good time, a good beginning and and I look on it, look back on it with fondness. Yes, uh, sir. It was a good, it was a good time and we talk about it as a housing project, but it's more or less it was a community where everybody knew everybody and mm -hmm. everybody protected each other and did what we could uh, for each other. And, you know, that, that was a good time and a good, a good start for me. What was the young Fred Jones back at Booker T. Washington? What were you into? What were you involved in? I know you walked to school, but what else, <laughs> what else was you doing over there at well, Booker T.? I played sports. Which ones? Uh, football. Baseball, basketball. Okay. Ran a little track. And I was also in the band. Uh, in the band, too? I played trombone in the band. Wow. Uh, so and my fondest, one of my fondest memories, and I think about this when I watched the parade, uh, the classic parade in Orange Mound, it was when we would march down Beale Street. I'm sorry, we would march down Main Street, turn left to go on Beale Street. Mm -hmm. Well, when we got to Handy Park, man, that was, it was exciting because you had to go sing a file because there were so many people. Mm -hmm. It just, you, we couldn't march. I was on the trombone, so we were on the, the front row. But once we got to Handy Park, it, uh, it, we had to mouth sing a file to get through all the crowd. And when I watched the parade in Orange Mountain, that was the kind of feeling I got. And I remember... You know, doing that as a kid and and uh, and watching it happen now uh, with the classic. Yes. So tell me, when you graduated from Booker T, what were your eyes set on then? Was it immediately going to Memphis? Well, until I got hurt uh, next to my the last football game of my senior year, uh, my athletic uh, getting a scholarship to go to college was all but done. And uh, in fact, uh, I wanted to go to Tennessee State because I, in the 10th grade, we had played a, a game up at Bird High School in Clarksville. And um, the night before, we stayed, after the game, we stayed overnight at Tennessee State. And that was the weekend that they played uh, Florida A&M. Mm -hmm. When Bob Hayes was, people talk about stars, but when he was the, the fastest man in the world and he was 
uh, on that team and to watch all that pageantry and I watched the watch uh, Florida A&M band warm up and uh, it's pretty exciting. exciting. So yeah. when I get out of school, <clears throat> um, after my knee was torn up and I didn't rehab it properly, I was athletically I was done. Uh, so now I got to try to find my way. I didn't, I didn't have a a means to go to college or had a scholarship or anything like that. And so we kind of pieced it together. In fact, I had to take the, um, the, the test twice. ACT? I think it was the SAT. SAT back then. Yeah, but I had to take it twice. Okay. Because the first time I didn't make enough, the second time I made just enough to put both of them together and they averaged it. And I happened to get the, the notification on the last day that I was able to go to then Memphis State University. And and it was only $65 a semester. $65 a semester? $65. And we didn't have that. You know, and I had to. Mm. Uh, and I was catting at Memphis Country Club. I was working with Flora's Flower Shop. I was Vans. Wow. Um, but it happened, and my goal to, when I was going to college, I wanted to be a CPA. Okay. Only CPA I knew was Jesse Turner Sr., and I wanted to be a, you know, he was one of the, if not the first black CPA mm-hmm. in the Memphis, maybe in Tennessee, and I wanted to be a CPA. So you like numbers. Well, yes. <laughs> and, and that comes from my grandmother. Okay. My grandmother, her name was Carrie Jones, and, and um, she would give, I'm a junior, so she, I was a junior to her, and, and she would give me her, her money, you know, it was $10, $15, whatever that number was. And we go to the store at that time, you could buy the whole basket full of groceries for ten dollars okay know? and she would say well whatever the number was she said well junior this you take care so i was already always her i would call her her banker mm-hmm. and you know I, I always knew that i knew numbers i had a good feel for it and it just turned out to be a blessing because I mean, I'm in the entertainment business for a long time, but I can't sing, I can't dance, <laughs> I, can't, I can't play fast sports, but when it comes to numbers, I, I have a God's gift for that. You know, yes, sir. It serves me well. And that leads me to my next question, because I noticed, looking at your information, that you started putting together events very early in your life. What was your first event that you planned? Well, it, it, it wasn't quite like that. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of backed into this whole situation, and I'll tell the short version of the story. Um, I flunked out of college. In in '68, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, if you could have made anything lower than an F, I probably would have would have qualified for that. Well, what's going on, Fred? Were you? Well, it, it, it gets better. Thanks okay. <laughs> <laughs> and my plan was, I was going to go work with, with my father, and. My father was having none of that. You can't come to work with me. You're going to have to keep trying. And let me say one thing about my father at this point. Regardless of all the success that I've had uh, in my life, I will never, never be as smart as my father. Mm. He's a man who Never owned a car, never owned a house, never had owned a suit. Probably the most money he worked on a job, probably was maybe $50 a week. But he had wisdom 
it's unbelievable. And, mm. and we, we develop a bond where I trusted him and he, he believed in me and kind of went from there. But when, when he said, you can't go work with me, keep trying. So I went to Tri-State Bank. I got a job. I went, they offered me a job. But, you know, in 1968, I was a young, cocky. Mm. I, I'm going to do, I can do better than this kind of routine. You know, I think all the, that's why you can't get too mad at, at the, when you see these young superstars, you know, acting out. You know, the only difference is that they're talking about every time they act out, it costs them millions. You know, when yes, it, it does. Doesn't go well. Um, but um, I, that same day, I'm gonna shorten this story up. But that same day, I was down on the pool room, uh, um, Avalon Pool Room on Bill Street. So I stopped in, and I'm talking all cocky and this, and I ain't going to work for this, that, and the other. And the guy that was worked in the pool room, I never knew his last name was Lewis, and so he listened to me, and he was older. And I had a passion uh, for listening to older people. The older they were, the closer I got to them. I don't care where they were, they would always you know, gravitate to me and they would say things to me, and I would listen and what have you. So he said to me, he said, Fred, he said, go and keep trying. And because you don't want to end up on Bill Street like me. Mm. That same day I walked, and ironically, I walked to the Union Planners Bank here, which was the headquarters mm-hmm. from Avalon Pool Room over here. And... When I was in this office, uh, I was the first one that the the gentleman that we were going to see when he came back, I was going to be the first one. Here again, I'm cocky. (laughs) You know, I ain't got time to sit. I ain't got no job. I don't flunked out of college. You You got time. (laughs) So, so... I stayed, and when he came back after about four and a half hours, I was the first one that he was, that he saw. Now, with people that listen to this, kind of hope they understand this part. They hired me, a person who had flunked out of college, uh, no degree, obviously, no experience. They hired me to work in the audit department mm. at Union Planners Bank. That's an important role. It turned out to be a gift from God because I, there was no way that nobody that we know today would have gotten hired with no experience, knowing anything. I'm a, I'm, we're going to hire you. And what happened kind of pressed it forward. I worked there, worked in the audit department. I mentioned I had this, this gift for numbers. So it was easy for me to learn how, you know, these, all these numbers. And I remember we could, we could go do an audit and this, this wall behind us, there would be money that would be stacked from the, from the floor all the way up to the ceiling. First time I ever saw a $10,000 a $10, bill was that when I was working at the bank. But I got into the management program, and they decided that uh, they needed someone to work out at the Bellevue branch at Union Planners. They were having some issues on that side of South Memphis, and they wanted me to go out there. Well, luckily for me, as faith would have it, (laughs) Stax Records was doing their business at that branch. Mm. And I was this little, well, I went too little, but I was this <laughs> black guy sitting behind the desk. Mm-hmm. And everybody come in, everybody knew Fred. So that's why I met, 
Isaac David, Jim Stewart, Deanie Parker, the Soul Children. I knew Blackfoot from when we was in Lonzo Lock from years ago, but all of them were doing business at that branch. If that had not happened, what you see today may not have, would have happened because I would not have had the opportunity to, to meet people and move forward. So from me moving out to Stax Records, I mean, uh, Union Planners, Stax Records, Soul Children, David Porter, mm. my first, my first uh, full-time job um, was with, with Isaac Hayes. But let me go back to the bank, because this is very significant for people. They hired me with no experience. When I, I, I was going, immediately I started going to school at night, catching the bus right over there on, when buses were going down Main Street all the way out to Memphis. And if I missed, if I missed the connection coming home at night, I had to thumb a ride from, from University of Memphis or Memphis State to South Memphis. Never flunked again, never came close. Mm. I, I don't know what happened. The light came on and things were different. Yes. But what happened was that I had two, the, years later I had, I needed two courses. They didn't have them at night. So I had to, I decided that I was going to uh, take a leave of absence from the bank to take these two courses. So I went on, made A on them, one of them was accounting, which was, was at that point was pretty easy. I took the leave of absence. I come back, and they said, and everybody listened to this. This is how the conversation went. I went to see them. They said, this guy called and said, what are we going to do with Fred Jones? Mm. Now, I got hired with no degree. I get a degree in finance. And most people get, when I say this, they, they really they can't believe that I'm a finance major. I can believe it. And, and an accountant minor. And they had a conversation right in front of me that said, um, what are we going to do with Fred Jones? I said, I don't know. He told me, he said, we will get back to you. Mm. All these many years later, this was 1971, I never heard from him. After you got the degree. I had the degree. And as faith would have it, that same day, Isaac offered me a job. And my job was to count money. And when Stacks, yes. when Stacks, when Chef was just coming out, and we left on a plane going to L.A., and... The rest of the story just kind of took off from there. It kind of got peaks and valleys. But, you know, it, I tried to say to people, you know, you never know where you're going to, where all of this is going to end up. And when I'm telling the story, and I may be telling the long version today because I want people to really hear that what they see with the Southern Heritage Classic. And all of these shows, I mean, the list of artists and all the things, mm. the accomplishments I have, uh, it wasn't always like that. Mm -hmm. So people believing in you and circumstances, and, and that's kind of the way it's been. Wow. So that really goes to show you how important relationships are, the relationships that you have developed over the years. Some of the allies that have been on your team since day one? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's st stories upon stories, and I don't want to drag all of this out, but somebody has to believe in your dream. You know, uh, when we talk about, well, going back to when I was working at the bank and the Soul Children was doing their business at, Stat, at, at Union Planners, and I asked Anita Lewis, I said, well, why did you all 
why did you all trust me to go out on the road with them and count their money and do all those things? Saying we just believed in you and we felt that that you were a good guy and you would take care of business. Uh, going forward, I remember walking in a in the office. Um, in 1989, uh, there was a gentleman that worked at the Commercial Appeal named Dave Swearingen. I walked in and I said, I got this idea that I want to do this big, I want to do this event. And I took a sheet of paper off of his desk, blank, okay, and said, this is what I want to do. It wasn't even the Southern Heritage Classic at the time. It was it. Idea. Okay. And he said something that day, all of these many years later. He said, if you pull this off, Fred, uh, you're going to have the biggest event in this town. Now, this is on one side of the coin. On the flip side of the coin, people were told me they never will be successful in Memphis. Mm -hmm. And we all get that a lot. You know? Yes. Uh, you're not going to be successful, but somebody has to believe in your dream, your idea. I had no idea about the Southern Heritage Classic being what it has become, or all of these shows. I mean, that I've involved in all the years. It's, it you never would have thought that with anything with that like that was possible. Yes, but I didn't set out to do that. But that's how. Things that worked out over the years. So in 1990 was the first Southern Heritage Classic. And who were the two opponents in uh, 1990? Uh, Jackson State, Tennessee State. So it originally was Jackson State, Tennessee State. So I'm sure you can clear up this because I've been told that there were different HBCUs that participated within the Classic over the years. Well, let me just get this. I didn't create. Tennessee State playing Jackson State. Okay. That wasn't, you know, I so said, well, how do you get that together? It was, it was always together, but one of the things that they were having a, a problem with was doing the event. Oh, let me get a, a little other background. They had been playing for years, uh, and they had figured out that if they could play in Memphis, that was going to be their best chance of being successful. Mm. But what they had tried to do was try to come into Memphis, spend two weeks, and try to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Wasn't happening at all. Uh, and they approached me about, uh, which was at a good time for me, because I was looking to... Uh, do other things in Memphis. At one time, I only, I only did about maybe 20% of my business was in Memphis. And I wanted to do something in Memphis as I'm traveling around the country doing these events. I always would see, man, I want to do that in Memphis. I want to do that in Memphis. So when I finally looked at it, I said, if you let me do this, now, I would do it only if you allow me to do it the way I see it. And most of the time, people won't do that. I mean, they'll just say, okay, they know they needed it. It was not going to, well, I put it to you like this. They playing each other prior to 1990. The home team, the, oh, I'm sorry, the visiting team, if they played in Nashville or they played in Jackson, would get $20,000. And, and the home team would have to do, pay all the other bills and try to make it work. And it wasn't working. Over the course of the classic, collectively, they have earned over $14 million mm. from, from that beginning. Um, but Dave Swearingen believed in this idea. And after about three or four months, we named it Southern Heritage Classic. And the only reason we did that, 
because I had another idea that I had worked on five years. It was going to be called the Southern Heritage Festival. And I had, if you go back and look at the first year, there was a, a left-handed blues player on a stoop, and that was our logo in the beginning because mm-hmm. we had used that for the festival idea, but I couldn't get it done. I would go to New Orleans every year to the Jazz Fest and study that and all of that, and it just didn't work. And so when it came time, what you going to call it, this thing? And we said, we took the, the guy on the stoop, had Southern Heritage Classic Festival on it. We erased it off and put Southern Heritage Classic, and here we go. We, we, that's where we are right now. So somebody have to really believe in it in order for, for things for you to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, as much credit as we all get for whatever things are successful, uh, that somebody had to believe in that dream, that idea. And uh, fortunate for me, and very fortunate for me, that Dave Swearingen was the person that I ended up talking to because he, this brochure, the idea from this, this brochure came from Dave. When we first started the classic, we would type all of this out because none of this, I mean, like the, I didn't have none of this to work with. I mean, it, you know, just, and so we would take sheets of paper and put the idea of this on the page. We would st- staple it, fold it. We all be sitting, people would come in, volunteer to sit in the floor and staple these together and take, we'd go take it to the post office and whatever. And, um, you know, now we can do it in, you know, the fact this brochure, the way, way it's done nowadays, just take it and put it up on the satellite and then the satellite sends it down to the printer. Yes. And the printer it prints it. They put it in the box and FedEx picks it up and delivers it. I mean, that's how that works, but it wasn't always like that. Yes, so 1990 kicked it off, and like, did you set the trends with the classic football games? Because no, you know, in other cities, no, they have their big traditions, but you no, set it off in Memphis. Yes, I mean that was the whole idea. At one time, there would be buses after buses going to the Bayou Classic. Bayou Classic every yeah. year. I mean, this, I'm, I'm going to say this for hundreds of people going to the Bayou Classic every year, leaving Memphis. And part of, that was part of the, the struggle in the beginning because people could not envision this event that they've gone to New Orleans or gone to Birmingham or gone to Atlanta, what have you, that they could do it in Memphis. So, uh, but they, they were going to the events. But quickly... Classics were really started by the, the black coaches of the HBCU as a way to be out front, you know, um, where they can get more publicity, more people involved, what have you. And whether it was uh, in Florida, whether it's in Birmingham, or the, um, Montgomery, Alabama, Bayou Classic, um, State Fair Classic in Dallas, mm-hmm. Circle City Classic in New Orleans, um, Indianapolis. They were a way for not only to make more money, but then there's a place where they could get all the alumni together and, and, and get some publicity because most of the historic black schools are in rural areas and uh, so then people didn't know them as well so uh, that's why the classics were a big deal and that's why Tennessee State and Jackson State wanted to be in Memphis because it's going back to the the migration the black migration out of out of Mississippi you know, B.B. King was trying to get to Memphis or get to West Memphis. Mm-hmm. All the blues singers, uh, 
that were lived in Clarksdale and what have you. Uh, they, they were trying to get to Memphis, and they was, then from Memphis they went to Chicago and what happened. But Memphis was the spot. So for this game, this event, these two schools, they're only 200 miles away from Memphis. So it's not a big cost involved. And for us, for, for people, I don't travel that much anymore, but when you travel in the cost of a hotel room in Memphis is far less than is the hotel in New Orleans or Atlanta or what have yeah. you, you know. So the cost of doing business in Memphis and the notoriety that they would get from playing was far greater than than playing in their hometown. Yes. Let's talk about and compare the success of Classic in 1990 versus 2022. That first year in 1990, when you had the first Classic, what did the attendance look like back then? I think the attendance was, I remember, was like 39,000. That's good. For a first year event? Yeah, but it was a lot of everything with it, starting out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the one thing I, I remember a lot of things about it, but the one thing that two things that that night it started to rain, mm. and everybody you know when it starts raining, everybody kind of runs and oh my god, <laughs> nobody stopped walking. I mean, it was like it was mist and rain, and which is probably the worst. And everybody just kept walking because, you know, they wanted this to work. And I remember when Tri-State Bank was right down here on the corner, that Monday morning I was at the bank, and this lady walked up to me and from behind and hugged me and with tears in her eyes. She said, you made me feel so good on Saturday. Mm. You knew then what this was what this what this could become, uh, and and she was crying. You know, said, "Man, I just had a good time," and uh, you know, she knew, and I think the community know what the tough time that we were trying to have, and uh, and they wanted it to work. Mm-hmm. So again, it's just. Uh, when you look back on it, there were a lot of things that first that first year, but the 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 main thing was that we were able to pull it off. Yeah. In spite of all the naysayers and all the, I mean, I started the classic basically with no sponsors. No sponsors. Coca Cola gave me money two weeks before the event, and. When I tell people this, I was doing a tour called Seagram's Gins, A Taste of the Blues. B.B. King, Bobby Bland, Albert King, Albert Collins, Charlie Musselwhite, just to name a few blues. I mean, it was, it was a sensational tour. They are the reasons why we have the Southern Heritage Classic today. Because if that tour had not been successful, there was nobody willing to finance or give us money uh, to do this. And I just took that, my family sacrificed over all that time while I was, you know, as they always say, robbing Peter to pay Paul, you know. <laughs> yeah. It, it never would have happened without that. Yes. You know? Wow. So let's talk about this, Fred, because a lot has changed from just last year to this year. I want to know, where were you, what were you doing, and what was your reaction when you first heard that JSU may be pulling out the classic? Can we get the 411 on this? Um, I want to be very candid and very straightforward with you. With any of these questions that you asked me, but uh, my first reaction, I knew exactly where I was. Uh, it's almost like I was kind of going back to Isaac Hayes and that people talk about sh- 
the Academy Award. I knew exactly where I was when they said, ladies and gentlemen, the Oscar goes to Isaac Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, I remember looking, at my, looking at my phone, and I, and I couldn't believe what I was reading. And, and I read it, and I called my lawyer, and I said, are you reading the same thing I'm reading? You got an email or a text? That was the email. Okay. And I could, I said, are you looking at what I'm looking at? Because as soon as I read it, I sent it to him. And he said, yeah. I was just, you know, taken back by it all. Uh, because people, a lot of conversation and about it, you know, there was no discussion about it prior to me receiving that letter. It was just, you know, you just stunned. But having been conditioned uh, to 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 make adjustments and whatever over the years with a lot of things that we had to deal with along the way with the classic. When I got over my initial shock, you know, you had to sort your way, Mm -hmm. figure out what we're going to do with it. But my initial was, I was just in in shock. I couldn't believe what I, and I'll just say this today. I I still don't believe it. Mm. You know, because people don't really realize, and I got this from, I, I did national tours for several years with the Isaac brothers. And you know, O'Kelly Isaac was the older brother, and he was, you know, it's, I mean, he, to be around them and watch the, how that played out, you know, they would go back to these creative people. They were always really talented. And whatever Kelly said, I mean, that was what they ended up doing. So Kelly told me one time, he said, people do not, do not realize how emotional all of this is. You're putting everything into it, your heart and soul, your resources and everything. And when it doesn't go well, emotionally, you're just taken back. You know, it's like, it's not, it, it wasn't like, when I read it, I was like, it was like, oh, well. It was like, oh, my God. What, what? did it say? Can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> was it like an email from Deion Sanders? No. No. But, but, but you knew what, he, what they were trying to say. Well, no, no, they didn't try to say it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go back and read the documents, it was very clear. Okay. You know, and you're trying to sort through all of this and... I'm not going to, you know, take this time to, to, to bash or talk bad about anybody. I mean, Jackson State played in the classic for 29 years. Yes. Okay. Dion was with Jackson State for the classic for two years, and things went well. Uh, that's unfortunate. I think there's a lesson learned here that. When you have a problem, uh, if you find a way to kind of talk it out or talk about it or sit down, it cannot be so bad that you can't talk about it. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that we, we see going on right now. When there's a confrontation, it, you know, they just take it to extreme. I remember when I was talking to one of the kids, uh, I think I was a junior court or maybe it might have been at Porter Junior High, not Porter Junior High, but over on the Orleans and, and Vans. But I remember telling the kid, young kid, I said, when you have a confrontation, you just like, your, you, you nose the nose like this. If either one of y'all decided, or both, no, just one, to take one step back, ends up being like this. You're not nose to nose anymore. You, it gives you a chance to think about it. And I think that, you know, if I'd had a chance and 
not to go any further with this, that if I had a chance to, to talk about it. Because one of my things that I learned from my father is that you try to talk to people and you try to work things out. And one of the things that with the classic and what has happened, it's not about just Fred Jones. This community was, was were like, okay, what are we going to do? Does that mean, you know, what's going to change? Are we going to do the classic? I mean, it was... You know, and I had to be very careful how I answered people. Yes. You know, Fred, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I said, you know, I couldn't ever say I didn't know. Mm. I had to say, I'm working on it. I worked on it. Sometimes I just kind of stretched the truth a little bit. I said, I'm working <laughs> on it this morning. Okay, man, I know you're going to work it out. But... Again, the lesson learned from that is that we need to try to just at least talk about it. Yeah. Nothing is, I mean, I remember a 9-11. I remember right down here on Union when WDIA was Mm -hmm. right up just down the street. I get a call, I'm going up to see Bobby O.J., I get a call, the call said, have you heard about the plane hit the building? At that time, I hadn't, I hadn't heard it. Oh, another plane that's hit another building. I'm standing right outside on Union, okay? Uh, and then we went up and Bobby and I started talking about the classic this weekend, the thing that we had, over the years we've done many, had done many times. And while we were sitting there, the plane hit the, hit the Pentagon. Mm. Okay? So it was like, okay, what you going to do? We, you know, the whole world was turned upside down. And, you know, what's going to happen with the classic this weekend? And we had no idea. Mm. And we had to figure it out. And what we ended up doing was moving the game to Thanksgiving uh, weekend. But. There are a lot of things that, that went into how you're going to handle this. And you had to just kind of keep your wits and try to, you know, try to figure it out. And everybody was affected. Yes. You know. Businesses in the Memphis. Whole, the whole world was affected by what's happening. Yeah. Try to figure that out. And we were able to, to figure it out. Yes. Well, um, change is good. You know what? I hear people say that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you agree with me or not. <laughs> I've, I've heard people say that until you have to deal with it. Mm. See, it's, it's, it's a different world when you're sitting over there and you over here are like you've heard this before about the head coach and the assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Where the head coach is sitting here and the sister coach is sitting there. When the sister coach moves over here to be the head coach, it's a different dynamic. It's a different world. Mm-hmm. And when they, okay, it's, it's changed. Okay, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. When, it, when it changes, it doesn't automatically program itself to, to go to whatever it is that you need for it to go to. So you got to figure all of this out. And Sometimes when people say that, it's hard to get our kids or grandkids or great-grandkids or friends, something happened and you have to make a change, how difficult it is. And you hear people say this all the time. Well, I used to do this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we did it this way. Well, there's change in effect and sometimes people don't accept changes. True. And it's, it's taken us this year probably four to five months for people to just accept the fact that there was going to be a change. Mm-hmm. That there's, there's change. They're, they're looking at, you know, I, 
Well, I, I've been trying to figure out what they were really looking at. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's, I understand what you're saying because uh, I was telling a gentleman earlier this morning that was here that I was going to have a live podcast with you. You should come and sit down and listen. And he was like, we still having the classic. You get that a lot? I, I get it. With me, if I get it one time a day. One time a then, day. If I get it one time, I, I, I go into a whole nother energy level mm. because I, I haven't completely done my job. Mm -hmm. Okay? If one person, um, well, uh, this is this, I got a story for everything. This happens on the same side. I love your stories. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in Cozy Corner. Somebody said, well, uh, who's playing? I said, University of Arkansas, UAPB, and Tennessee State. Really? I said, yeah. I go to the post office down on B.B. King. <laughs> Somebody stopped me and said, are you, are you having a classic this year? And that's when I knew that the change wasn't really accepted. Mm. I want you to think about this. When we announced the fact that UAPB was playing in this game and, and we sent the information out, Jay is here, at 10.35 in the morning, from that moment to the next news cycle on the next morning, we were at the, the top of the news. Trending. On every station in this town and in this area. Mm. Okay? So what I'm saying is that from the very beginning, when it was official that they were coming, it became a big news item. But people didn't accept initially that change. And they're saying it, you know, they... It's out there for them to, to know. It's not like, you know, that you told a few people and you hope the other people don't know, but it's all over the place and all the uh, social media and all everything. And it's just, it's, it was kind of frustrating, but, you know, I know what we have done, and, but people weren't accepting the change initially. I get it, too, because it's been going on for 33 years. It's embedded in our community. Like, we always looking for the classic weekend, and the, t the two opponents have always been the same, right? Well, except for 1991 and 1993. Other than that, it's always been Tennessee State and Jackson State. Who was it in 92 and 93? 91. It was 91 of 91. Mississippi Valley and Tennessee State, and 93 it was Grambling and Right. Okay. So now this year for the 34th celebration, we have UAPB. How was UAPB selected? And I see that they are on a two-year contract. And what does the classic look like after those two years? Well, to be straightforward, I don't know. My whole, my whole team, my, all our energy and all our efforts – is put into 2023, okay? Because one thing I learned from Dave, uh, the Dave Swearinger I mentioned earlier, was that each year is different. I can go to every year and I can tell you something different that happened with this same event. Every year, something up. So our focus is to, is to present... Uh, as best we can this year. I, I'm not focused on anything. And people saying, "Well, you know, how many people are you gonna have?" I said, "Well, I check with me at the fourth at the fourth quarter <laughs> on, on September the ninth, and I, right. I can tell you." But before then, it's it's like a jigsaw puzzle mm -hmm. on this table, and on this table you have pieces of the puzzle that says Southern Heritage Classic. You got to put all these pieces together to get what it finally looks like, mm -hmm. and it's and you all over the place doing that. So you can't worry about what happens next year, uh, what happens in the future. 
all of that will take care of itself. And I've learned from my experiences that sometimes the decision is made for you. Mm. Like you said, every year it's something different with the event. And, you know, this year we'll be playing, TSU will be playing UAPB. What are you most looking forward to with this classic for 2023? I think the most important thing uh, that I'm looking for is that we continue to come together. All the things that we've done over the years has not stopped us as a community from coming together. Yeah. Uh, that's what you want to see happen more so than anything else. All the back stuff and all the work that goes behind it, but that's just part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have sleepless nights because I don't, I don't take it to bed with me. I just... You know, when I sh shut down, it shut down. and But as soon as I wake up, I'm ready <laughs> going back at it. So I understand. Uh, but uh, I'm just looking for the people to, to have what they always had. And you said something earlier about change. There's only one change with the Southern Heritage Classic this year. One. U UAPB has taken over Jackson State's spot. Yeah. Everything else is the same. There's a concert, there's a golf tournament, there's a parade, there's fashion show, uh, there's uh, a coaches' luncheon, uh, Battle of the Bands in Whitehaven High School, uh, the tailgate, the tailgate. The, the lovely tailgate. Headball tailgate. <laughs> you know. The tradition continues. Uh, yes. You know, and, and that's why when they saw, uh, talk about the change, as if the, the whole dynamics of the event got turned up on its head. You know, yes, you know, it's, you know, like doing a show, you know, you got to have a headliner. Mm-hmm. And Jackson State is, is a headliner. And I, I've said this, I'll probably say it publicly now. Jackson State football is the number one drawing football team in America. Number one. Okay? And... Uh, even before Dion got there. I mean, mm. that's, that's the facts. So, you know, you don't, it's like any business, if you lose your number one customer, you know, it doesn't mean that you're going out of business. You just got to make adjustments. And we even had to make these adjustments on the fly. So yeah. we don't know how it's going to turn out. But I can safely say here today that this community is going to be pleasantly surprised. Uh, we have Keith Jackson is going to be the speaker at the luncheon we just announced this week. Um, people know exactly who he is. I mean, he's a Super Bowl champion, lives in Little Rock, and uh, he was coming to the Classic in large part because of uh, UAPB, so you know we get a chance to hear from him. He's a great speaker and got an amazing story and of what he's been able to accomplish with his life coming from Little Rock, Arkansas. You know what? I'm excited to see the uh, energy that UAP br UAPB brings to this year's classic because I see a lot of people that are alum of there and they're doing a lot of things leading up to this classic. So it's called the. Uh, UAPB 901 Takeover. Yes. <laughs> and it looks exciting, right? Yeah, well, you know, uh, that's why sometimes, you know, the child in you come out when, when you're working and working on something. Mm -hmm. I was leaving home a couple of days ago and uh, I live on I lived near downtown, so I was going up Crump, like out, out east on Crump, and I look up, and there's a UAPB billboard. Okay. And I'm going, wow, 
Boom. Boom. Uh, you know. <laughs> then I found out there's seven more. And there's a lot of energy and a, 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 and a lot of people really want to uh, really want to showcase the school. And when you talk to people, you find out there are a lot of family members that have gone to that yeah. school. I mean, and I found out later that they're Memphis, Shelby County. It's one of the largest uh, alumni chapters that they have in the country. I was about to ask you that. Yeah, that was prior to us, them getting in. Mm -hmm. So uh, now you have a chance to showcase it, and that's what they are doing. And uh, again, I think people are going to be Pleasantly surprised. Yes. And all we need is what I call the X factor to cooperate. Mm -hmm. And the, co the X factor is the weather. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and so if the weather is a nice day like today, mm -hmm. sunshine is shining, it doesn't get too hot for a tailgate. Oh, we going <laughs> to party at the tailgate regardless. Yeah, the rain <laughs> kind of slows things around. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, you know, if it's a nice sunny day, it's it makes for a, a great a great day. You know what? I have been going to Southern Heritage Classic since I first entered Lamorneon College in fall of 1997, and that was my introduction to Southern Heritage Classic. And I have been going ever since, and I don't plan on changing it. And Mr. Jones Jr., I, I just pray that, you know, this change that you're going through right now, it's going to be a blessing in disguise, I think. I, I think everything is going to work out like it's supposed to. We started the classic, you know, there was no social media. None. I mean, this brochure, uh, the technology, on, if, if you can print this brochure, put your chip in the, in the computer, not only do they print it, they can mail it to you and send it and, put it and sort it and all that, and you never touch it. Uh, the, there's new technology, new bells and whistles to work with. And when you got social media from TikTok to Facebook to Instagram to LinkedIn, all of those things are connecting people. And when you go on especially on Facebook and you see chapters of UAPB uh, just from everywhere showing up that's the kind of energy that you're looking for well Fred Jones Jr. I want to thank you for coming on the Verbally Effective Podcast right here live at the historic Cossett Library. Your journey is truly amazing. We are looking forward to this 34th edition and there's going to be plenty more. And I want to know if you have any final words for the Verbally Effective audience today. Just in, in, enjoy yourself. And, and, and be happy that we have a chance to, you know, each year to change the perception. I mean, the perception of Memphis not only heals us locally, and I say it also because we're all in it together, all this people nationally think Memphis is, you know, it's going down the river. You know, because all the things that are that are happening in our community, and I just we got a chance to just for the week of the classic to really show ourselves that we can be a lot different than what what's been going on. You know, that we can enjoy ourselves, enjoy our families, uh, and, you know, and thanks to these schools and what they have represented for people for more than 100 years, uh, what it meant. And just, just enjoy it. I mean, and, and just to, to get together and, and the smiles and what have you that, that we have. And, and 
in closing, I just want to say thank you. Uh, I, I could not have done any of this if the people in this community have not supported me for all of these years. And for that, I said thank you. Thank you so much. You're such a beacon in the Memphis community. And if you've never get, gotten your flowers, we're giving you your flowers today, Mr. Fred Jones Jr., founder <laughs> of the Southern Heritage Classic. We're going to be celebrating this year for the 34th edition TSU versus UAPB, and it's just going to be just as fabulous as ever. Thank you so much, Fred. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.